Welcome to Agency for Change, the podcast that brings you the stories of people creating positive change in the world. We explore what inspires these change makers, the work they're doing, and how they share their message. Each of us can play a part in change. And these are the people who show us how. Hello, friends. As we celebrate our one-year anniversary of the Agency for Change podcast, we're bringing back some of our favorite early episodes. Since the time we originally recorded Scott Young, he has retired and our good friend Michaela Kumpke has assumed the position of CEO of the Food Bank of Lincoln, and they've launched a capital campaign referred to as Raising Our Response to Hunger. Enjoy this episode, and if you are so inclined, go to lincolnfoodbank.org to learn more or donate. Scott, thanks so much for talking with us today. Lynn, glad to be with you, and and, uh, great to be here, even if it's only electronically. (laughs) Right. A lot of us are getting together electronic nowadays, so... Scott, would you start by sharing more about the work that you do with the Food Bank of Lincoln? Yeah, gladly, uh, Lynn. The Food Bank started in 1981. A group of community-minded citizens uh, put this nonprofit together, and uh, their first full year was 1982, and they distributed something like 332,000 meals. And at that time, that must have been a staggering amount of food that, that they uh, had put together and, and turned around back to the community. Food banking was a new idea then. And so, you know, they they kept this thing moving and, and conditions changed and ideas changed and need grew. And the food bank moved, has moved three times up to our present location. And that was, we moved here in 1997. Along about 2000, a need in America really started to spike and really started to increase dramatically. And I got this job on the uh, September 10th of uh, 2001, the day before September 11th. Oh my goodness, wow. Yes, so, and I I thought, well, uh, this is great. I'm gonna be presiding over the train wreck of one of Lincoln's great institutions. (laughs) But And I was really concerned, and there was great concern, you will remember then, Lynn, about Absolutely. the economy and what's going to happen, and uh, there was a lot of anxiety then, and uh, somehow this organization pushed right through it, and somehow I pushed right through it, and, and frankly, didn't know what I was doing, but we had a, a patient board of directors and, and a key staff person that uh, stayed here at the food bank. Wendy Baker was my predecessor, and Wendy and those boards uh, previous to September 10th, 2001, had set up great systems in place and, and some great branding things. And so we drink uh, water from wells dug by others, and that was the case here at the food bank of Lincoln. And so we went along for a couple of years, and along about 2007, we really got a lot more aggressive about what we were doing. And we started doing a mobile pantry operation, which had had a little controversy across the Feeding America network. We're in a network of 200 food banks. And uh, I like change and welcome change. And it seemed to me that this was worth a try. So with the Center for People in Need, we started a mobile pantry program down at a, a small church 
just north of the viaduct on uh, North 27th Street. We had a great turnout. That led to a lot more mobile pantry activity, which in short order doubled the amount of food and, and pounds of food we were distributing uh, up to where uh, in fiscal year 20, which ended June 30th, uh, we connected people to 11.5 million meals. Whoa. Yeah, it's, it is a big number. And I think most people are surprised at the scale of the food bank when they hear about it. But we have 55 agency partners. We have 90 school partners when schools are in a normal situation, which they aren't now. Uh, we do this aggressive mobile pantry program. Uh, and we do food stamp outreach, uh, which has really been a game changer for us in terms of the millions of meals, Mark. And we also do a thing called Bridges Out of Poverty, which is designed to uh, shorten the lines of people here at the Food Bank of Lincoln. So we have evolved a great deal uh, from when I showed up at the door in 2001, and, and we continue to evolve, and the pandemic certainly has evolved us more more quickly and more dramatically than we might have expected, uh, in, including the big number. I think going into FY21, which is what we're in, or FY20, I should say, Lynn, I thought maybe we could get to 10.2 million meals. That was kind of a stretch goal for us, but I thought we could do it. But the pandemic then launched us into this entirely different orbit and put more food into the system. Uh, and we ended up at that 11.5 million meal mark. And I tell the board on a monthly basis, if not a weekly basis, don't get too used to these numbers because these may not stand up over the test of time. But for right. right now, we're getting more food into Southeast Nebraska than we ever have previously. Scott, it's got to be a really interesting dynamic because there's a part of this where It'd be great if the food bank was out of business and people didn't need food anymore, but it's amazing the capacity that you have built over the years through the different programs. And and since you brought up the pandemic, I'd really love to talk about what you're doing because I know everywhere in the world the need for food has increased. And I've heard a lot of stories about the great work that your team is doing to shift and and serve a greater need, but yet with some restrictions of social distancing. Could you talk about that? Yeah, Lynn, back in March, we had, uh, February and March, we had a couple of young women leaders here in the food bank that had their finger more on the pulse of all this than I did. <laughs> That's nothing unusual about this, but, <laughs> uh, and, and and we gathered and said, you know, we we have to think really purposefully about this. This is coming. and I they had a much better grip on coming circumstances than I did. And so what we did was we divided into three teams, a work from home team, a green team, and an orange team. And green and orange are basically the food bank colors that we use. And the idea was to stay open, you know, and and not get sidetracked by a positive diagnosis. And that's why we had those two teams Uh, green and orange begin to work separately. So if there was a positive diagnosis and we had to quarantine an entire team, we would have another team of people that would be able to come in and work. And and those those two teams alternated weeks. And it it really has kept us safe. I was on the work from home team 
and there is work clearly that can be done from home, which a lot of us have found that to be a possibility. And, and I did that March, April, May, and June. In July, I started coming back into the food bank because I just couldn't stand not being around us. <laughs> so <laughs> it, at the same time, the federal government started a number of programs that poured fresh produce into the Feeding America Food Bank Network system. And beginning in April, May, June, July, and August, we set records every month for distribution. And we did it by doing the drive-through mobile pantry distributions. It's no contact, low contact, kept clients safe, kept staff safe. And, and, and we, we stopped having volunteers in the building, Lynn. So many of our volunteers are 70 plus and we love them dearly. They love us dearly, but the risk was too great to have those folks in. And, and that's really been difficult. And we're trying to stay in touch with the, these folks but sitting here now on uh, the 5th of October, I have no idea when, when or if they'll be able to come back into the food bank and, and do their great volunteering that they do. So suddenly we were tasked morally and philosophically with pre- getting more food distributed with less resources, just like you've identified. And this stout-hearted group has done it. I've heard you have an amazing team, Scott. I mean, they must have... I know you have a lot of great volunteers, and when the volunteers backed out, the team had to step up, didn't they? Yeah, it's been an interesting time, but we're not alone in that. I mean, everybody that I know that has a business or is engaged in some business has had things upended. And, and I, as you and I have talked, Lynn, I, I fear for a lot of small businesses in Lincoln and, and across America. I, this has been such a an economically challenging time for these businesses and these charities and, and these public institutions that we have. No one is, as, as we've found here, no one is free from risk here with the pandemic. And one of our two, two decision-making things, I think, that have been important at the food bank, we were having trouble making decisions about what we were going to do back in February and March. And I woke up one morning, I thought, we we got to have some priorities and I got to set them out there, you know, that we're not arriving at these things by consensus. So I called a little short meeting when I got to work that morning and I said, these are going to be our priorities, getting food to people, staff safety, volunteer safety, and an eye on the future of the food bank. And I said, in everything we do, we need to run this through those filters. So now, seven months later, those are still our filters. And one of the things that we try to think about here, Lynn, is not what others are doing or what the president says we should do or what the governor says we should do. We're going to do what we think we should do independent of this other stuff you know, based on the knowledge we have, which is limited, or the people that we ask for knowledge about this stuff. And, and you know, we're, we're really working hard to try and balance those four priorities. And sometimes they're in conflict. You know, getting more food to more people is in conflict with staff safety. You know, and yeah. I understand that. Our staff certainly understands it. Right. But it, 
we're all trying to balance all these things. Lynn, you're not old enough to remember the Ed Sullivan show. I am, I am, okay, I am. Okay, I, I gave you a pass. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for that generosity, you though, Scott. <laughs> but you remember on the Ed Sullivan show about once a month, it seems like they'd have a juggler who would spin plates on sticks. Oh, my you know, goodness, and yes. He'd have four or five sticks going, and, and one of them would fall. One of the plates would fall and smash, and then he'd hustle over and this is what so many of us are doing right now. And it's what's happening at the food bank of Lincoln. We're spinning all these plates and, and trying to keep them up off the stage floor. And it's a riot, you know, and, and yeah. it's, it is taxing, it's anxiety producing, but it's a riot to try and keep all these different things moving. And all of us right now are learning a lot about ourselves and our businesses we run in our community and how that works. And I think going forward, this will have been a big opportunity for all of us to think right. about things differently. Scott, I've interviewed a couple of business owners. One a woman from Fort Collins, Colorado last week who said, I think I'm on pivot plan number 17. And every time I think I've got it, I got to pivot again. And, and I spoke with someone else who's in the sustainability industry. And he said, you know, this is terrible, but there are going to be some good things that come out of it. And, th and that's the way I've got to, in my mind, got to keep looking at it as, hey, we got to keep just working as hard and fast as we can work and keep those plates in the air. Our arms are tired, but there, there's not a lot of options, right? That's right? So, Scott, based on that, I do imagine there's a number of people who find themselves in need of food for the first time. If they are in our area, or even if they're not, what would you recommend they do to seek services? You know, the, the key thing for us in terms of information and referral, Lynn, would be our website, uh, which Kid Glove has laid a big role in. And on our website, there are resources where people can find out where food will be distributed today, what our schedule for this week is, which changes on a weekly basis in terms of pivoting, perpetually in pivot uh, form. There, there is also food stamp outreach information on there. Folks can get hooked up with our food stamp professionals. We have three people that do nothing but work on the SNAP applications and, and food stamp outreach. The truth of all of this is, Lynn, is that the federal government is the biggest answer to keeping people fed. It's not, it's not food banks. Uh, and we'd like to take full credit for being the number one feeder in America, but we're not. It's the federal government uh, between uh, what happens with the SNAP program, with uh, senior citizens program, with uh, free and reduced lunch programs for kids. I mean, the Lincoln Public Schools are going to feed more people more food this week than uh, everything the food bank does, you know. So these programs are really critically important to people. And in terms of thinking about that new person that has not used the charitable food system before, our best message is don't worry about it. You, uh, we are here for specifically this reason, and we, uh, we're not going to judge people at the Food Bank of Lincoln. Uh, we believe that people receive enough judgment on a daily basis from a number of quarters, and they don't need to get it from us. So if someone shows up at a food line, uh, at an agency of the food bank or one of our mobile pantry operations, or if they call the SNAP hotlines that we have, that's enough for us. 
that you, if you didn't need food, you wouldn't be calling or you wouldn't be waiting in line for 45 minutes to get a, a box of food that you need. So people are worried about it. We've heard people say, I hate to have to do this. And, and I understand that. I empathize with that. But uh, we don't want folks to worry about it. Food is fundamental. And if you are struggling and maybe have found a rock bottom that you never could have imagined, which is one of the stories we have lately, not to worry. The food bank is here specifically to lend a hand to folks that need it. Uh, no shame, no questions asked, no embarrassment. Uh, we do the best we can about that. But it's uh, being poor uh, and being in a situation where you're not able to feed your children or uh, feed your elderly mother that's living in your home, that's not something anybody wants to do. It's not something you take great pride in. And we ask people to put that aside and, and don't worry about it. This is, this is why there's a food bank. Lynn, to your point about in the ideal food banks would put themselves out of business, we talk a lot about that on the national level. And it's not a, it's not a realistic conversation to say that's our goal is to put ourselves out of business. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Unfortunately. So one of our responsibilities is to think about how, how do we think about putting ourselves out of business or lessening our business? You know, is there a way that in 10 years we could be distributing less meals, but we helped enough people get out of the line so that we didn't need to distribute as many meals? Yeah. Those are the thought provokers that we go round and round about with ourselves here at the food bank. But I think, I think those are right questions is, are we serious about this work? And and how do we think differently about it? You've said it, Lynn, and I've said it already once uh, on the podcast today. Uh, Lynn Sampson, one of our young leaders, when we were gathering in February and March, she, she insisted that we think differently about our work. That, and that's been one of our mantras is we have to. You know, I mean, yeah. we, we can cling to what we used to do or, or we can think differently about it and look for some new solutions. And for any of us and, and those of us in the nonprofit uh, line of work, uh, I think this, this pandemic calls us to think quite differently. We just have to. Absolutely. Scott, I appreciate what you said there because, you know, the pandemic has brought circumstances that nobody could have prepared for, best laid plans, yeah. you know, and, and I think this is the year that you do have to open up and think of things differently and, and access the services that you need because that is why they're there. And, and also, thank you for the shout out about the website. That was our pleasure to work with you. And I remember when we started with your team, they very clearly said the number one goal for that website is to help people access food. And so if they go to your website, they'll be able to, to find that very quickly. I want to switch gears a little bit because I am fascinated with your story, Scott. How did your path lead you to this position at, at this point in your life? Yeah, you know, the, I was in radio for 28 years. And the, you know, in my mid forties, my wife convinced me, she'd been after me about, I never finished a college degree. So uh, in my mid forties, I went back to school to Nebraska Wesleyan. Uh, I didn't go as a non-traditional student because I did a morning show. I could go in the afternoons to classes. So I went with a bunch of 20 year olds. 
holes, you know, and it was a riot. Oh my goodness. I actually, I fear for your professors. Like when Scott Young shows up in your classroom. (laughs) Rachel Pecora is a a communications professor at Wesleyan and she might've been 29 years old and she's, she's in her first semester at Wesleyan. (laughs) I show up and sprawl out in my desk and she's thinking, Oh my God, who's this guy? And, and we've become fast friends. And, but, you know, for Rachel, it was daunting, but it was daunting for me every uh, year or every semester when I'd go and I'd walk into a classroom of 20-year-olds and, and go, hey, uh, hello, <laughs> I'm here to learn. And, but it was a great experience for me. And I, so I get my degree at 50, Lynn. I'll, I'll cut to that shoes and, and get back on something. I get my degree at 50. And, I applied for the job at the food bank. Oh, excuse me. It's okay. Let's take a little break. Oh, it's an emotional time. So I get my degree at 50. I apply for the job and I'm the runner up. Oh no, you're kidding me. (laughs) So I'm the runner up and they, they, uh, the last interview was between me and a guy who was a food banker who I've come to know since, and he was in Missouri at the time. And so the, the last interviews were on a Friday and I got a call on Monday and, and they said, or I got a call on that Friday afternoon. They said, we've decided to go with the other guy. So I said, okay, well, that's fine. I appreciate that. And thanks for the opportunity. And, and I was just mad all weekend. You oh, know? I understand. <laughs> I, I get that. <laughs> yeah. So Monday, they call me and say, the, uh, we're having trouble getting together with this gentleman on benefits and salary, and uh, do you still want the job? And I said, well, you have to understand that for the last 48 hours, I've been do- not doing nothing but cussing you up and down. <laughs> <laughs> and I encouraged the board then. I said, get, get together with this guy. He's who you want, and that's what you should do. But they couldn't. So they, they called me back and, and, and I took the job and uh, it, it was the greatest break of my life. Oh, that's fantastic. Greatest professional break of my life. And, you know, it, it I mean, it's changed everything for me. And the, and, and I think, you know, people are happy they hired me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and sure so, that they are. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been a well balanced thing, and that was 19 years ago. Now all those uh, board members are no longer on the board, but I'm still in contact with many of them, and uh, many of them still are great friends of the food bank and still very supportive. But you know, this it's testament to being able to learn things, you know, because and that was one of the themes that well, he he's not qualified for this job, but we believe he can learn to do it. You know, and I've not quite learned it yet, Lynn, but I'm still working on it. Is that fair to say? I, I think uh, everything I've heard says you're quite accomplished at it, Scott. So um, I, I think... I'm, I, get, I'm getting by here. I'm getting by, Lynn. <laughs> I've heard a lot more than that. As a matter of fact, I think that's such a great story. I'm really curious, what advice would you have for others out there who want to lead change and make a positive impact? Yeah. That was the point I hope to circle back to was the, if you, if someone wants to do something different, 
you know, take some baby steps and, and commit to doing it and tell people you're going to do it. You know, I mean, I, I had to tell people I'm going back to school, I'm going to get my degree. And then I had to hold myself accountable for that. But you know, the thing is, if, if I'd have gone back to school and wasn't comfortable with it, or just didn't feel like I could have done it, I could have stopped. You know, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Uh, so take some risk. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I mean, Lynn, you've taken risks. I've taken career risks. It was a risk when I took the food bank job. And if it wouldn't have worked out, I'd have done something different. There you, you go. Know? And, and so my message to folks who are in their 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s, uh, if there's something you want to do, uh, take some steps in those directions and see what happens. And it's hard. I mean, some people are more risk averse than I was at that time or that I am now. I mean, I'm still, I'm, I like change and I, I like risk. My wife wouldn't say that I like change and risk, but I do. But I, I just really encourage people every chance I get, if they've got something in mind, take some steps toward it. That is great. Don't, don't be self-defeating on it, you know, because there was no way I could have gotten this job, and I got it. That is great advice, Scott, and also shout out to your wife there. I, too, benefit from a very supportive spouse who challenges me and supports me both, and it's a, it's a great thing to have as well. Now, you spent the first, I think, 28 years of your career in the field of communications, and I'm a long, lifelong advertising person, so I have to ask you one advertising question. Can you share how you get the word out about the good work that's being done at the food bank? We have a number of people here who, uh, John Mabry has a, uh, he's our development director. He worked at the, in the newspaper business for years. I worked in communications for years. Uh, Michaela Kumpke is our uh, director of community engagement. She has a, a great background in media and, and public relations. And I think, you know, and some of this goes back to Wendy Baker. When the food bank was starting, relationships were forged with KFOR radio, which was a, that was a community property. And there were some things that happened there from a, a branding standpoint in, in what were then the traditional media newspaper and, and KFOR radio and uh, 1011, that those three entities all were extremely supportive of the food bank. And, and when I got over here, that, that all continued. So that uh, foundation was built from a branding standpoint. So now here in, in 2020, social media is the thing you know, and those other things still are extremely important relationships for us. But I think we've done a nice job of uh, social media awareness. I think our network Feeding America has done an exceptional job of, uh, of getting that national message out and, and the idea of food banking. And, and part of it, Lynn, is, is the luck piece that you and I have talked about. When the pandemic starts, Let's take a hurricane, for example, in terms of a disaster. A hurricane hits some remote town in Florida. The Red Cross goes in and they're there for a month and they're helping and, and helpful and then they pull out. With food banks and this disaster and this form of disaster, food banks were here before the pandemic started, were here during the pandemic, 
uh, helping out. And, and everybody knows we're going to be here after the pandemic is over. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that Feeding America as a national entity and, and food banks locally have just really emerged as an important community, more important community property than they previously have been thought of. This community has always thought highly of the food bank and has been well engaged in it. But I think the pandemic has pushed it further toward the top. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, it's not a positive uh, of the pandemic, but it is a result of the pandemic, right. I think, that, that we will continue to, to uh, grow from uh, because of the increased public awareness about poverty issues in our community. I'm glad you brought up the notion of relationships with media partners because sometimes, you know, social media and the digital world are hot and sexy right now. But, but boy, our traditional media partners can be so important to us. And you know that better than any, anyone. I have one more big question for you here. I love motivational quotes. It's one of the things that inspires me through tough times. Could you give us a few of your own Scott Young words of wisdom that could serve as inspiration to others? Yeah, I saw, this is a longer story than you need here, but I, when I was in radio, I was at a conference and I saw a professor from NYU and a, a student came to him who studied for his bachelor's and his master's and he, he said, I, Professor, I, I've taken all these classes from you and I still don't understand how to be successful. Uh, what would you tell me? How can I be successful? And the professor said, show up, show up on time and show up ready to work. He said, if you show up, you're ahead of about 50% of America. If you show up on time, you're in the top quartile. And if you show up ready to work, you're in an elite group of people. <laughs> now that's funny. And there is some truth to it. But I also think, you know, and I tell people that when they come to work at the food bank, and I think, you know, they don't, you know, that guy's nuts. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. But, I mean, if you do those three things, Lynn, the rest is going to take care of itself. And, and so I've, I've tried to show up and show up on time. Absolutely. <laughs> show up ready to work. You know, the other thing I would say is people uh, need to feel like they're loved and listened to. Mm. That that advice from my brother-in-law, Bill Calhoun, was as good of advice as I got before I started here at the food bank. I think it's true, uh, and and it's true of people you work for. It's true of people you work with. And it's true of people you meet. You know, and I I don't think there's enough of that. And in in this day and age, listening is becoming an increasingly rare. Good listening is becoming an increasingly rare quality. And at a time like this, people need to be listened to. Yeah. Scott, that's great. A bonus. You gave us two. You know what? There was, <laughs> there was also something you said at the beginning that I wrote down. You said, we drink water from the wells dug by others. And you mentioned community-minded citizens. And it makes me think... You know, you mentioned a lot of names during this podcast of people who were impactful in your life and who were impactful in the history and success of the food bank. And I think this is a time for us to stand up like, and be community minded and think about what wells are we digging for the people of the next generation and the next generation. So I, I couldn't agree more, Lynn. I mean, what we do now 
shouldn't only affect us. Right. You know, uh, there should be benefit for others. You know, look at Lincoln High School and the, look at the state capitol. The people that built those buildings, right. they were building those for us. They were. A hundred, yeah. And, and, you know, do we have that nerve now to, to dig those wells for others? Yeah, I think that's an important sentiment. So, Scott, for our listeners who would like to learn more about the work of the food bank, help out. I know you're not taking volunteers right now. I'm sure you're taking donations or who might need to access services. How can they find out more? They need to go to lincolnfoodbank.org, Lynn, and look around on our website. And I would say, I do need to say that we are taking some volunteers now okay. uh, of a certain age. <laughs> I have health requirement it. that got we didn't it. used to have to worry about. But uh, lincolnfoodbank.org, uh, you can find out how to help. You can find out how to get help. You can find out about hunger and poverty issues in our community and start a learning process for yourself. Fantastic. Scott, I feel like I could talk with you all day. Thank you for taking time with me. And I just appreciate all the work that you and your team are doing for the people in Lincoln, the wells that you're digging for today and tomorrow. Lynn, thank you. And thanks to Kid Glove for all you're doing. And happy 10th anniversary. (laughs) Thank you so much. You've been listening to Agency for Change. If you're enjoying these inspiring stories, please subscribe. Is there a changemaker you'd like to recommend for this podcast? Just visit the Kid Glove website at kidglov.com to share or to listen to more stories about the people behind positive change.